from the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 113. everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran, and I'm happy you're able to join me. And I'm happy to be able to host this show. On this show, we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation. And also, we talk a lot about how to implement these things in our lives so we can benefit. It's nice to talk about it, but it's nice to implement it as well. The purpose of this show is just that, for each of us, you and me, and all our listeners, to grow spiritually, or at least to keep keep on the path, keep studying, keep learning, keep thinking, contemplating, meditating. And if you practice what, you know, if you, if you put into practice the concepts we talk about on this show... It will definitely make a big influence, uh, make a big difference in your life. Um, we release new episodes every Friday morning, and you can hear the show as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and on our website, themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net. And you can also sign up to receive some behind-the-scenes emails from me. I tell you a little bit, uh, a little behind the scenes of preparing for these episodes and the material I read and links to books and things like that. It's pretty cool, so you could sign up for that. I'd also like to quickly thank our sponsor, Pause Your Life. Pause Your Life is a great organization. They organize meetups and retreats. You know, do you ever feel like you want to escape the craziness of your life just for a short moment, short while? Well, Pause Your Life has meetups and retreats. That's the whole purpose. Get out of the rut, step away from the rat race, and just be a human being and breathe. So this is going to be quite an episode here. We're going to read the next section of our book, which uh, we're reading from a book written by James Allen in 1901. It's called From Poverty to Power, and it's actually technically his first book. I think he wrote about 15 or 17 books overall. Um, wonderful books. I mean, I, I talk about it too much. I'm not going to go into it anymore. Amazing books, powerful, and obviously that's why we're reading it on the show. Um, so there's two, we're going to read it in two parts, and I'm going to comment on each part as we go. So the title of... Um, the section is called The Acquirement of Spiritual Power. Yep, The Acquirement of Spiritual Power, and that kind of gets your attention, doesn't it? So first, I want to talk about the definition of power really quick. Let's just talk about what is power. Um, but first, to put this whole episode in perspective, I just want to mention that uh, James Allen mentions it, and other, other people do too, that there's this concept that... 
a human being can evolve from an animal man to a man-man and then to a divine man. So there's kind of three levels of being a human, animal, human, and divine. And obviously the whole, well, not obviously, but um, the opportunity in this lifetime is to grow through that, you know, progression from a more animalistic human being to a human human being, and then on to a divine human being, you know, living by higher values. And, and um, there's even a quote here, we are born as humans, but most people die as animals. Right? I think a lot of individuals on planet Earth, they might not take advantage of the opportunities here to learn and to grow, and, and they just get you know, sucked in by all these desires and, you know, the pleasure, trying to pleasure their five senses, right? And trying to get, you know, a lot more money so they can be more comfortable. That it's a very shallow world to live in. And that's obviously why these movie stars and these super famous people, there's always problems with drugs and, and ill health, Right, that even after they reach that pinnacle of material success, they're not quite happy. So, well, there's a reason for that, and I don't know. I hope they're listening to this show because uh, we're all on the journey. And it it also reminds me of that quote um, from Swami Vivekananda, whose whose birthday was the other day, three days ago, and he said, "It's good to be born into a religion, but bad to die in one." And it's the same kind of a thing where it, you know, it's good to start where you are, but we need to grow and ev- and evolve and expand. And that's a lot what this, the, the section we're going to read today is, is a lot about that, you'll see. But first, the word power, you know, the, the title of this section is the acquirement of spiritual power. And power is one of those things in spirituality where, you know, as far as the kundalini you know, gaining power and, and the cities and there's a lot of power that can be gained um, through spiritual practice and all that. Uh, a lot of a lot of the gurus, they advise not to go for that power because, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Power is great, but it's hard to handle. And especially if you don't learn it from someone who really knows how to do it, um, it can be like putting a gun in the hands of a child or putting a child behind the wheel of a car. You know, it's, it's too much. They're not ready to handle it. They don't know how to handle it. And unfortunately, a lot of people in spirituality, or not a lot, but some people in spirituality, they, they go for these so-called powers and then they don't know how to handle it and then it actually hurts them. So, um, so anyway, the power we're going to be talking about today is not that kind of power. It could be. I guess you'll have to listen and decide for yourself. Uh, but I looked up power in the dictionary, and one of the definitions was strength, which is kind of obvious. Another one was the ability to do or act. That's kind of obvious as well. And the third one is capability of doing or accomplishing something. So I think when James Allen talks about 
the acquirement of spiritual power, you know, there's a lot of higher values and higher realms that we want to, and higher realizations that we want to strive for. Um, so to be able to accomplish that, we need power. And, and again, not the, not the power to do miracles or anything funny like that, but just, you know, almost like personal power, but from a, from the core of our heart, which is really divinity. Um, so in the section, James Allen also refers to power in several ways. I just want to talk about that for a second. Um, he, in one sense, he, he talks about power as being the realization of eternal principles in consciousness, which create for a person balance, stability, and influence. So balance, stability, and influence, they're kind of important because if you don't have them, then you're off balance, you're unstable, and you're not influential. <laughs> um, he re- also refers to it as being the master builder in the temple of destiny. So power can actually help us create our own destiny or, um, or shorten our own destiny or, or, you know, go quicker to the goal type of thing. He also refers to power as the state of inward harmony with the principle of divine love. That's kind of deep. And the other way he refers to power, he says it will manifest in you in the form of increasing dispassion, patience, and equanimity. So dispassion, that's a... That's a big one because in the self-help world and in the in the more superficial quote unquote spiritual world, you know, people say find your passion and and there is validity to that, of course, because your passion is sort of connected to your dharma and and your mission while you're here type thing. Uh, however, again, looking at the example of the masters, they don't get too caught up in passions. So, now that we talked a little bit about power, let's start reading this section. Again, it's from the book, From Poverty to Power, written by James Allen, and this section is called The Acquirement of Spiritual Power. The world is filled with men and women seeking pleasure, excitement, novelty, seeking ever to be moved to laughter or tears, not seeking strength, stability, and power, but courting weakness and eagerly engaged in dispersing what power they have. Men and women of real power and influence are few, because few are prepared to make the sacrifice necessary to the acquirement of power and fewer still are ready to patiently build up character. To be swayed by your fluctuating thoughts and impulses is to be weak and powerless. To rightly control and direct those forces is to be strong and powerful. Men of strong animal passions have much of the ferocity of the beast, But this is not power. The elements of power are there, but it is only 
when this ferocity is tamed and subdued by the higher intelligence, that real power begins. And men can only grow in power by awakening themselves to higher and ever higher states of intelligence and consciousness. The difference between a man of weakness and one of power lies not in the strength of the personal will, for the stubborn man is usually weak and foolish, but in that focus of consciousness which represents their states of knowledge. The pleasure seekers, the lovers of excitement, the hunters after novelty, and the victims of impulse and hysterical emotion lack that knowledge of principles which gives balance, stability, and influence. A man commences to develop power when, checking his impulses and selfish inclinations, he falls back upon the higher and calmer consciousness within him and begins to steady himself upon a principle. The realization of unchanging principles in consciousness is at once the source and secret of the highest power. When, after much searching and suffering and sacrificing, the light of an eternal principle dawns upon the soul, a divine calm ensues, and joy unspeakable gladdens the heart. He who has realized such a principle ceases to wander and remains poised and self-possessed. He ceases to be passion's slave and becomes a master builder in the temple of destiny. The man that is governed by self and not by a principle changes his front when his selfish comforts are threatened. Deeply intent upon defending and guarding his own interests, he regards all means as lawful that will subserve that end. He is continually scheming as to how he may protect himself against his enemies, being too self-centered to perceive that he is his own enemy. Such a man's work crumbles away, for it is divorced from truth and power. All effort that is grounded upon self perishes. Only that work endures that is built upon an indestructible principle. The man that stands upon a principle is the same calm, dauntless, self-possessed man under all circumstances. When the hour of trial comes and he has to decide between his personal comforts and truth, he gives up his comforts and remains firm. Even the prospect of torture and death cannot alter or deter him. The man of self regards the loss of his wealth, his comforts, or his life as the greatest calamities which can befall him. The man of principle looks upon these incidents as comparatively insignificant and not to be weighed with loss of character, loss of truth. 
to desert truth is, to him, the only happening which can really be called a calamity. It is the hour of crisis which decides who are the minions of darkness and who the children of light. It is the epoch of threatening disaster, ruin, and persecution which which divides the sheep from the goats and reveals to the reverential gaze of succeeding ages the men and women of power. It is easy for a man, so long as he is left in the enjoyment of his possessions, to persuade himself that he believes in and adheres to the principles of peace, brotherhood, and universal love. But if, when his enjoyments are threatened, or he imagines they are threatened, he begins to clamor loudly for war, he shows that he believes in and stands upon not peace, brotherhood, and love, but strife, selfishness, and hatred. He who does not desert his principles when threatened with loss of every earthly thing, even to the loss of reputation and life, is the man of power, is the man whose every word and work endures, is the man whom the afterworld honors, reveres, and worships. Rather than desert that principle of divine love on which he rested and in which all his trust was placed, Jesus endured the utmost extremity of agony and deprivation. And today the world prostrates itself at his pierced feet in rapt adoration. And we'll just take a quick break here. Welcome back to the Mystic Show. That little musical interlude uh, was again from the band Dawn of Midi. That's their album, Dysnomia. Pretty cool. And um, I'd just like to mention, if you'd like to consider supporting the Mystic Show so more people can benefit, there are actually several ways you can do that. One is to share each episode on your social media, like Facebook and Twitter. Um, The second way, you can give the show a rating and a review in iTunes or Stitcher. That helps out. And the third way, you can contribute a dollar or two or three per episode to help us continue to produce the show. And if you just go to our website, themysticshow.net, you can click on the image that says, please consider supporting the show. It's... It's through a service called Patreon 
which is a really cool website which allows you to support the content creators that you love and give a very small amount per piece of content. So for the Mystic Show, some people, you know, are giving two or three dollars per episode. And we do four a month, so it's not that much money, but when everyone chips in a little bit, it, it makes a big difference. Um, so, yeah, so that reading was was really interesting. I, you know, w- when James Allen says, um, in the hour of crisis, where does he say this? Yeah, it is the hour of crisis, which decides who are the minions of darkness and who the children of light. You know, and I really think that's true in our lives. You know, we, we can, we can be living life and everything's fine and we can be talking, you know, a really good game and we can be talking about love and all this stuff. But as soon as something major happens or our position is threatened, uh, it's not that difficult to just slip back into selfishness and, you know, and start to act out of fear, right? I mean, I think all of us have experienced that in our lives. So, you know, again, that's why we want to practice spirituality ongoing to sort of become that person who is balanced in every situation, right? I personally, I think something strange happens with me. Um, The smaller... Or I should say, the bigger the calamity or the, the bigger the uh, situation, that's I, I'm more calm. I'm more relaxed and, and clear. But the, it's the small things that annoy me from time to time. Like the really, and the smaller it is, the, the, the more it seems to annoy me, which is, it doesn't always happen, but it's just very strange. Because I somehow think that the easy things should be easy. And, yeah. So he also talks about, uh, he mentions Jesus, who endured the utmost extremity of agony and deprivation. And today the world prostrates itself at his pierced feet in rapt adoration. And that's something in our own lives. I mean, if you're listening to this, it means you haven't died by crucifixion. However, in our lives, when, you know, for instance, when I'm trying to live by principle, and of course, at some times, the rest of the world is not living that way, right? So I'm, I'm just using myself as an example. So if I'm the only one living by principle, and again, this is hypothetical, I'm not claiming anything here. Um, but if I'm living by principle and everyone else is not, then I will, I tend to be, um, crucified in a sense, you know, maligned, uh, judged, um, you know, try, uh, you know, maybe they try to hurt me in some way, but I think in general, this shows the progress of living by principle, and it also it's an opportunity to to, to grow further. Um, and I think the best way to go through these situations in our lives when we sort of were being persecuted or crucified or uh, I can't think of a milder word. Um, <laughs> um, 
judged. I think the best way to go through it is not to have the opinion of, oh, poor me, you know, I'm a victim and, you know, or I don't think it's best to think that, oh, I need to escape this world, you know, like get away from these people uh, because that's sort of like escapism. Probably the best way to go through it is to basically ignore the pain and suffering, which is not easy, and look towards divinity and look more towards the goal. I mean, these are the times when we can actually put this stuff into practice and focus on the, the divine love in our hearts and sort of ignore the pain and ignore the, uh, the hurting of others, you know, as best we can. Right. So, so that was part one. Part two, where he, James Allen is going to get into actually, um, how to how to acquire spiritual power basically the the how to part in general so so let's go ahead and read that now again we're reading from the book from poverty to power by james allen and this is the acquirement of spiritual power there is no way to the acquirement of spiritual power except by that inward illumination and enlightenment which is the realization of spiritual principles. And those principles can only be realized by constant practice and application. Take the principle of divine love and quietly and diligently meditate upon it with the object of arriving at a thorough understanding of it. Bring its searching light to bear upon all your habits, your actions, your speech, and intercourse with others, your every secret thought and desire. As you persevere in this course, the divine love will become more and more perfectly revealed to you, and your own shortcomings will stand out in more and more vivid contrast, spurring you on to renewed endeavor. And having once caught a glimpse of the incomparable majesty of that imperishable principle, you will never again rest in your weakness, your selfishness, your imperfections, but will pursue that love until you have relinquished every discordant element and have brought yourself into perfect harmony with it. And that state of inward harmony is spiritual power. Take also other spiritual principles, such as purity and compassion, and apply them in the same way. And, so exacting is truth, you will be able to make no stay, no resting place, until the inmost garment of your soul is bereft of every stain and your heart has become incapable of any hard, condemnatory, and pitiless impulse. Only in so far as you understand, realize, and rely upon these principles will you acquire spiritual power. And that power will be manifested in and through you in the form of increasing dispassion 
patience and equanimity. Dispassion argues superior self-control. Sublime patience is the very hallmark of divine knowledge. And to retain an unbroken calm amid all the duties and distractions of life marks off the man of power. It is easy in the world to live after the world's opinion. It is easy in solitude to live after our own. But the great man is he who in the midst of the crowd keeps with perfect sweetness the independence of solitude. Some mystics hold that perfection in dispassion is the source of that power by which miracles, so-called, are performed. And truly, he who has gained such perfect control of all his interior forces that no shock, however great, can for one moment unbalance him, must be capable of guiding and directing those forces with a master hand. To grow in self-control, in patience, in equanimity, is to grow in strength and power. And you can only thus grow by focusing your consciousness upon a principle. As a child, after making many vigorous attempts to walk unaided, at last succeeds, after numerous falls, in accomplishing this. So you must enter the way of power by first attempting to stand alone. Break away from the tyranny of custom, tradition, convention, conventionality, and the opinions of others until you succeed in walking lonely and erect among men. Rely upon your own judgment. Be true to your own conscience. Follow the light that is within you. All outward lights are so many will-o'-the-wisps. There will be those who will tell you that you are foolish, that your judgment is faulty, that your conscience is all awry, and that the light within you is darkness. But heed them not. If what they say is true, the sooner you, as a searcher for wisdom, find it out, the better. And you can only make the discovery by bringing your powers to the test. Therefore, pursue your course bravely. Your conscience is at least your own, and to follow it is to be a man. To follow the conscience of another is to be a slave. You will have many falls, will suffer many wounds, will endure many buffetings for a time, but press on in faith believing that sure and certain victory lies ahead. Search for a rock, a principle, and having found it, cling to it. Get it under your feet and stand erect upon it, until at last, immovably fixed upon it, you succeed in defying the fury 
of the waves and storms of selfishness. For selfishness in any and every form is dissipation, weakness, death. Unselfishness in its spiritual aspect is conservation, power, life. As you grow in spiritual life and become established upon principles, you will become as beautiful and as unchangeable as those principles, will taste of the sweetness of their immortal essence, and will realize the eternal and indestructible nature of the God within. And we'll just take a quick break here. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and our website is themysticshow.net. And I encourage you to go there, and as you listen to episodes, you can comment on the episodes there. There's a lot of resources on the website. So this second part of this reading was was really... uh, powerful. The one thing that really, really jumped out at me was this idea that James Allen talks about. And I'm going to read right here, just this couple lines. Take the principle of divine love and quietly and diligently meditate upon it with the object at arriving at a thorough understanding of it. I mean, is that not the most obvious thing to do in life is to try to find try to learn something or find out information or seek answers on your own? You know, in our modern day society, we we need other people to give us answers and solutions because there are so many questions and problems. However, in a spiritual way, Sitting down and meditating and trying to understand this principle of divine love. I mean, think of, think of the good that will do you. Think of how you will begin, as James Allen says, to actually understand divine love as a principle and to connect with it. So spirituality is Definitely an area where you cannot take anyone else's word for anything. It doesn't matter what the gurus say. It doesn't matter what Lord Krishna says. It doesn't matter what Jesus says or Buddha. It doesn't matter. What they say might help you. It might energize you on your own path. 
but you have to walk your own path. You have to sit down and meditate on these higher spiritual principles and gain your own understanding. And the beauty of the spiritual journey is that you can do that. That's absolutely possible. That's what all the gurus are telling us. <laughs> Sit down and meditate. I think this even works with worldly things as well. You know, if you're not sure, I mean, let's take something so material world. You don't know where you want to go on vacation next year. Well, what if you take, what if you meditate on that, you know, 10 times over the next three months? You'll probably end up having this feeling of, yeah. That's where I that's where we should go. So the universe is willing to deliver solutions and answers to you from within yourself, but the universe is just waiting for you to sit down and meditate on on these questions. So I I I mean when you look at it that way, it it's so simple but it's so brilliant and helpful. And the other part I liked was the very last um, paragraph because, you know, we have a certain amount of energy as people. And where we put that energy, where we focus that energy is critical because that sort of determines what we're going to achieve, right? And he says, um, selfishness in any and every form is dissipation. So, when we do selfish things, it dissipates our energy. And he also says, unselfishness in its spiritual aspect is conservation. So when we do things unselfishly, without any thought of ourselves or any thought of a reward or any thought of receiving something in return for our, um, our actions, that actually conserves our energy. So that, I mean, we could probably do a whole show on that, conserving your energy and all this. Um, but I know in modern life, you know, a lot of times we're tired and, and you know, it happens to all of us. We might put our energies in the wrong place and we might dissipate our energy and we're left with no energy. Um, we might not even have energy to sit down and meditate properly. So that's another way that we can it's just another aspect to think about on this, on our own personal journey. So I'm happy you could join me in this episode. I hope some of these principles are helpful. I, I feel like in the last month, the episodes are becoming more rich in content. Um, like you could probably take each section of the show and really think about it or research it or study it or meditate on it. Um, and, and I think that's part of the, the beauty of the mystic show is that I can, I can help present good topics and then, you know, you can listen and sort of ruminate on them and study them and, and build them into your own life. So I appreciate you listening. Thank you. And, uh, as always keep shining.